Welcome to the 11th Annual Groundhog Day Economic Summit, coming to you from the beautiful Dow Theater in historic downtown Monroe, North Carolina. So I'm honored today to have as our guests, Mr. John Hunter with Womble Bond Dickinson and Mr. Albert Ganeri with Parker Poe. Both have spent their careers in economic development, in recruiting and helping companies, doing all things related to um, helping them find their sites to negotiating their incentives. So they provide a unique perspective on so what companies are thinking, what they're going through, through this time and looking out into 2021. Before we get to them, I would like to give you an update on Union County. As we look at the year in review, I'd like to step back to the very origins of the organization. In 2013, Union County and the city of Monroe decided to join both their organizations, their economic development organizations, into one unified entity to handle all the economic development efforts and the business retention and expansion within our county. So if you look back, since 2013, we've had 92 projects announced, both existing industries, expansions, and new companies coming in. That has totaled over $850 million for our community. It's generated over 2,100 new job opportunities which has resulted in almost $140 million of new payroll into this community. We've built two spec buildings. We've purchased land and begun the development of two additional new industrial parks, one for the county there first. And we've had a savings of roughly $3 million to the taxpayers by unifying this effort and getting rid of additional overhead and cost of having two agencies. Since January 1st of last year, 2020 all the way to today. So in the last 12 months, we've had 11 announcements totaling $63 million. That's generated 290 jobs for us. And so considering what we were facing with the pandemic and all the other pressures out there, companies were still able to make expansions and invest in this community and bring jobs to us. Today, the current state of manufacturing in Union County is roughly 15,000 people employed within the manufacturing base. The annual payroll is roughly 850 to $900 million every year that sits there and that money churns within the community. 22% of all available jobs within our community are in manufacturing. So as we look beyond, looking to 21 and beyond, we hope to continue to grow. We've started a new ag business initiative, similar to our aerospace initiative that started in 2002, and that resulted in a transformation of our local economy. We're hoping that the agribusiness will do the same. We're also looking to develop a new work plan that will focus really around that agribusiness and some of the new trends that have resulted as, of the, as the pandemic has come in and changed the world as we know it. We'll also invest more into our marketing and virtual reality as there's ways that we can handle uh, prospect activity, to work with our companies that are trying to, to locate here, to give them opportunities to understand our community with some of the restrictions that may exist at this point going forward with travel. So with that, we look uh, at 2021 as a, a time for opportunity, a time to make some changes that will allow us to continue to grow and uh, fight through challenges uh, as we have through 2020 and still be prosperous. I think we're in a great location, a great spot, uh, and we have the the underpinning of our economy is definitely strong going forward. So with that, um, let me introduce our two new speakers. So the first conversation we're gonna have is with Mr. John Hunter. John is a partner with Womble Bond Dickinson, and is, for 20 years, he's been a pure economic development attorney, focusing strictly on the economic development decisions that companies have, whether it's to expand or relocate or even consolidate. John has worked with very large companies like Google, Samsung, and SPX, and um, prior to that, he has worked with the Charlotte Regional, or the former Charlotte Regional Partnership, a 16-county regional economic development organization where he was a tremendous ally to this county. Uh, I think that uh, John brings a unique point of view uh, that uh, we've not had. Uh, he's the first-time speaker at Groundhog Day, so I hope you enjoy the conversation. Mr. Hunter. 
thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So we are uh, to have some time out of your schedule. I know you're extremely busy in what you do, and we do appreciate you coming out here today. You've been a long friend of me personally and of our office. So uh, we go back a few years. We go back a little bit. So this interview or you know discussion is different from our normal groundhog. Uh, we normally we have everyone give presentations. So. Um, It'll be a little bit different in the fact that we're just doing an interview style, but also probably different because we know each other too well. Um, so, and that's a good thing. Yeah, it'll be entertaining, yeah. uh, possibly, uh, or insulting to potentially to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, on that note, you went to Duke undergrad, uh, UNC Law School. So, are you just do you hate yourself? Are you self-loathing? And like, what, <laughs> what is the matter with you? <laughs> The allegiance completely uh, aligns <laughs> with the dark blue there uh, you go. as opposed to light blue. But uh, my Tar Heel friends like to say, you know, that my, my trade craft was uh, was learned and honed in, in Chapel Hill as opposed to Durham. Ah, I got but, you. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it took some adjusting those first three years of law school. Well, it's nice that you can always find a winner, no matter what. That's but, right. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, with Clemson, we only have football. You know? Well, you know, and, and unfortunately with Duke and Chapel Hill, typically we don't have any football. It's only basketball. <laughs> right. well, Chapel know, Hill's kind of turning. It's the table. turning that around. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not a fan of Mac right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's scaring me a little bit. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah. Um, well, in looking at the this, you know, the Groundhog Day is really to sort of pick your brain to see where things have been in 2020 and where they're going in 21. Sure. And so. Obviously, we have to talk about COVID as much as I'm sick of talking about COVID. And I was just curious, how has that changed the business of economic development? How has that changed your interactions with clients? That's a great question. And, and you know, it's, uh, COVID has really impacted uh, economic development in, in a myriad of ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you well know, our, our industry and profession is relationships. Right, client-driven and interactions, and uh, typically it's an industry that attracts ext extroverts such as you and I. We we enjoy working with people uh, closely and uh, working with a myriad of different uh, client referral sources and, and, and projects. And COVID obviously has minimized that uh, a tremendous extent um, with respect to clients. You know, it's it's hard to get clients on the ground looking right. at actual sites buildings, especially international clients. Uh, so a lot of, uh, just like everybody else, a lot of Zoom calls, WebEx calls. <laughs> uh, but people have gotten creative and have gotten more techn technology savvy, I think, with respect yeah. to COVID. I mean, so there's silver linings, but mm -hmm. uh, by the same token, it's, uh, it's had a tremendous uh, impact. People have adjusted. Uh, 2020 was still an outstanding year, mm -hmm. I think, in terms of economic development. And uh, hopefully we can get on the other side of this thing in the next uh, quarter or so and, and, and really reap the benefits of, uh, of a COVID-free world together with that additional technology savvy that, that right. most people have, uh, have, have learned. Yeah, it seems like the, from a technology standpoint, where we were going has really accelerated five, ten years. I couldn't agree more. And so that is really... It's made us do things. I mean, even this, having to videotape and learn how to do podcasts, how to do sure. other things that we would not normally do. I just want to go out and find companies and you right. know, do the business. And so it's, we've had to learn a new skill, which is exciting in its own right. But, even for old guys like us. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's <laughs> you know, you have to hold your mouth right to kind of make the computer do what you want it yes. to do. But uh, so it's not as natural. But um, it, it's it's been a, you know, that COVID has, you know, with some of the 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 activity being down, so we had January to Feb, January to March, May time frame, it mm. was really slow for us. We were like 55% down year over year. So that allowed us to learn some of these other skills and sort of get geared up ready. And so when we were looking at, uh, we had an Italian client, we actually had a drone going right. live on Zoom yeah. to the board of directors in Italy. How about that? You know, it's things like, who would have ever thought, you know, 25 yeah. years in this and yeah. never thought we would do that. So, you know, we were used to grabbing a helicopter That's and right. flying over it, not yeah. doing that. Not a drone. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, you, you've had a lot of big projects that you've worked with from Google, Samsung, SPX, a local firm here in Charlotte. How are they looking at things right now? Have they, have they sort of paused or are they saying the underpinnings are solid for the economy, we're going to go forward? 
How are mm -hmm. they looking at things? It's funny you should you should mention large projects. We, last year, 2020, during the middle of uh, of COVID, yeah. um, and really we had the benefit of this project initiating prior to COVID. Right. So it was it was halfway down the pipeline. But the largest project which is ever announced in in North Carolina, Centene, uh, announced back in the first week of July. Yeah. Uh, what a godsend. I mean, that was a, uh, for those that, uh, that, that aren't familiar with the Centene name, it's a uh, healthcare-related company that was citing its East Coast headquarters slash mm -hmm. IT campus. Gotcha. And uh, at the end of the day, this is a company that announced 3,200 jobs, over a billion-dollar investment, office-related project, North Carolina's first transformational JDEG project ever oh, that's awarded. That's right. Yeah, the one of the new incentive. The, that's right. The new incentive that uh, you know was originally adopted when North Carolina was recruiting some of these OEM uh, big automotive uh, manufacturing projects. Mm -hmm. Most recently, Toyota Mazda. Right. That you know, the Toyota that one hurt. Yeah, but uh, Centene was able to take advantage of meeting the thresholds in terms of capital investment and job creation, and and we got that project uh, announced. It it it. Uh, I mean, it, it was a labor of love. It still took a year or so. Mm -hmm. But COVID certainly has impacted, uh, you know, the decision-making for companies that maybe weren't quite as far along as Centene was at that juncture uh, and are really, for example, uh, office-related projects. You know, the, it's, it's been trans, transform, transformative in terms of the space which is now coming on the market, yeah. you know, sublease space. Uh, I'm in one Wells Fargo in downtown Charlotte, a significant significant amount of that forty story building is now available op open for some yeah. and and it, but companies themselves are kind of going through analysis and projections in terms of how much space do they need mm -hmm. how many employees can work remotely going forward you know is uh, and you know an issue which would would impact our profession you know from an incentive standpoint is the state willing to incentivize a workforce that's going to work remote right. know, 40 percent 40 percent of the workforce working remotely is that still attractive to mm -hmm. north carolina and to monroe or even county? lack of workforce as that's they right. become more automated you know? as they become more automated absolutely uh advanced manufacturing uh, related projects you know i'm sure they're they're kind of going through that same analysis mm -hmm. right now. How much space do we ultimately need, you know, right. as we become more capital intensive and, and less labor intensive? Right. Yeah, that's one of our fears, you know, going forward. We're, we're pretty well healed in the manufacturing sector and we've had the lowest unemployment, you know, in the region forever. And right. which, you know, is a blessing, but it's because of that diversity in the manufacturing. But mm -hmm. as you look at that, as a manufacturer, can he afford, you know, a COVID or the next COVID that's right. To sort of take out a third of his workforce, or should he look to invest in machinery and equipment? Right. You know, and half of how we're judged is, you know, the investment side, but jobs, That's the right. job creation. So if we start to lose that, you know, it's going to... It's a fair question. I yeah. mean, that's how local governments kind of uh, economic development projects really the benefit for local governments is that additional net new assessable property tax revenue, mm -hmm. which comes with that capital investment spend. Right. So we love the machinery side, but we have yeah. to worry about the job side as well. That's right. So, and then the state, the way they incentivize is by jobs, right? not the property. So Correct. they may have to think it, a different way. It's a fluid situation, I'd say, in terms of the uh, the impact that COVID has made, continues to make, and will make. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's one where the state will probably, you'll gradually see maybe some guidelines coming out in terms of, uh, you know, how they're going to go about incentivizing these type projects, which are going through studies in terms of remote workforce yeah. uh, and, and whatnot. Looking at that, so obviously North Carolina does it a certain way and it's been successful to this point. Are there other states out there that you have interacted with that are doing it right? They're doing some innovative things that you have seen. North Carolina had a great year, yeah. 2020 in particular. You can't really argue. Nah, yeah. you can't argue with uh, the, some of the results. I think it was uh, 20,000 20, jobs announced and maybe six billion Wow. total capital investment. And, uh, and for that, I don't know if you're familiar with, I'm sure you are, Business Facilities Magazine mm -hmm. uh, ranked the state number one this yeah. past year. Uh, but in terms of, absolutely, I do a lot of work just living and working in Charlotte, being on the state line with South Carolina. South Carolina, just like North Carolina, 
is uh, is a, is a tremendous uh, aggressive recruiter for mm -hmm. economic development projects. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure that they, especially in in the upstate area, at least you know in, in some of the counties that uh, touched and comprise the greater Charlotte region, they'd like to see more office-related projects. But right. South Carolina has proven adept at recruiting large manufacturing projects over the last few years. Yeah. You know, whether uh, from from an automotive uh, manufacturing standpoint, tire manufacturing, yeah. Boeing, mm -hmm. you know, you could go on down the line, Volvo. Uh, so I would say, yeah, the, the in the majority of my work really is in the southeast United States. I mean, our, our clients typically are looking at site opportunities, North, South Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Texas, mm -hmm. Austin, Texas has uh, had a phenomenal go of it of late. Yeah. And we have a couple of large uh, uh, life science related clients that are looking at potential sites in, in, in Texas as well. But yeah, those states which, which have, uh, like you say, flexible incentives that Different companies need different things. Right. Uh, sometimes yeah, every project's unique. Know, every every project's unique, and uh, it, it, so it's a, it's it's a it's like a putting a puzzle together. Mm -hmm. You know, do, are you are they primarily looking to offset relocation costs, startup cost? Is this something that you know is the workforce in the in the uh, capital investment going to ramp up over time? You know, what's most important to the company? How can the state? You know, once they hear that, or in the local governments, mm -hmm. how can they accommodate? Those requirements right. or desires on behalf of these these projects. So, uh, but those states and local governments which do have uh, the benefit of flexible incentive programs, obviously still performance based, but flexible programs uh, typically do the best in terms of really uh, meeting the needs of, of perhaps you know not the the the, the cookie cutter type project, right? The, the the special project, right? And that's where you come in on your side. You, know, right. you have to. We like to think that's where we come. Yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the cookie cutters they can usually kind of roll through the system, work through our offices without a lot of need. But a lot of companies don't know what they're doing. We always say that too. You know, it's, even the smaller projects require. Yeah, <laughs> the small projects require a lot more work. That's right. You know than the bigger projects, but. When you're talking about the scale of projects like Centene, there's so many facets that have to be played out that right. they have to have a consultant right. attached to it, uh, someone to help guide them, because yeah. they do their product. They don't do this every day. That's right, and even even small companies. I mean, uh, you know, I, I was contacted yesterday by an advanced manufacturing type company, and it's a great you, company. You didn't call that, me about it yet. I, yeah, I'll <laughs> call you. Okay, okay. Uh, but it's one that you know has a small presence in the Charlotte region. Uh, looking to grow significantly, they've they've kind of caught mm -hmm. on to a uh, a product line that's uh, doing great things. They want to hire 100, 125 new people over yeah. five years. Average wage, just below one hundred thousand dollars. Great uh, capital investment affiliated with this project from an R and D standpoint and lab space. And oh, excellent. So, uh, but I mean, it's 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 one that uh, you know because they are relatively new and relatively small mm -hmm. that those up upfront startup costs are, are they're, they're slightly more sensitive. Yes. You know, so they're, they're looking at various opportunities by way of real estate as well as incentives. And, and I'm sure during that site selection uh, process, uh, hopefully that's one that we're going to bring. There can, you go. Can, can have a good vetting of uh, Union County and City of Monroe and see what we have. I appreciate yeah. it very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm always going to plug it. Friends you know, helping friends. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so looking at that, like what are some of the, the things that, um, or has it changed in the last year? Sort of what are the priorities for companies? You know, there's obviously water and sewer. You know, without infrastructure, it's just without dirt. infrastructure, you, <laughs> you have dirt. Right. That's right. Um, it, the broadband, is there you know, employment uh, training enhancements? Is there, what are sort of the things that you hear most people? The drivers, yeah. Um, you know, and that's a great question because I think it, it, it differs across industry lines. I mean, you know, with the onset of COVID, I'll tell you what has really, we've really seen exploding uh, of late, uh, and the RTP has benefited tremendously from it. Or, uh, you know, biotech, pharma, life science-related projects. Yeah. And, and many of these are, were able to tap into some of the warp speed federal money. Oh yeah. But by the same token, you know, they're they're trying to get up and running sooner rather than later. You know, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Sanford. 
Johnston County to a degree. It's a great, you know, from a clustering standpoint. Yeah. In, in the universities that are in that region, it's just a natural for these companies to kind of flourish and grow quickly. Right. All the resources are there, just like you were saying, you know, from an infrastructure standpoint. So, I mean, I think it's the, the same old adage in terms of these companies are looking to, you know, where can we attract the labor that we need? You know, highly skilled, trained, educated labor. They're not waiting on it. They're not waiting on it. From a regulatory standpoint, a lot of these companies are coming out of California. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they know that the cluster is there from a labor site. You know, the benefits of doing business in North Carolina, perhaps, as opposed to sunny Southern California. Right. Or elsewhere, for yeah. that matter. Um, but COVID has, uh, you know, obviously there's been winners and losers. Mm -hmm. We also had a, uh, I, won't, I won't mention any specific names, but we had a specific uh, IT headquarters related office that was in the cruise line industry. Oh, COVID hit, and obviously stock of that company fell dramatically. Cruise lines were shut down, and, yeah. and that project went poof. But it's just, uh, you know, it's, it, there's, there's no rhyme or reason in terms of, uh, you know, who's done extremely well. I mean, think about the mortgage industry. Yeah. Mortgage industry back in early 2018, probably heading in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. COVID, mortgage rates drop, industry blows up. Right. You know, uh, you and people are moving. They're trying to get out of the New York. People, people are moving. They're working uh, from, a, from an area probably on the North Carolina or South Carolina coast where they have a view. They know they're going to be working remotely. The kids aren't in school. Right. They're taking advantage of that. Yeah. And, uh, and so those companies have, have flourished. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting to kind of analyze the impact that COVID has uh, had on different industries. Yeah. That's, you know, obviously aerospace is our baby, and they've not done well through right. this, even though we've still had the Pratt-Whitney up in Pratt Asheville. Pratt-Whitney, exactly. You know, the UTC here has done fairly well. They've just completed a larger project um, so that, that was going on prior to COVID. And so there's some bright spots within the sector, but overall it's you know, been hit really hard. And that diversity is nice to have. So, sure. you know, obviously distribution, cold storage, anything food related, like food you're saying related. medical. That's right. They've done well. Construction materials. Yep. That's another one because people are renovating. They're doing or they're doing the building as they move. Yeah. You know, North, I think you, you touch on a good point. I mean, North Carolina, because, you know, the, the, the year 2020 was made by projects such as Centene, Pratt and Whitney, but but also projects which have located into, uh, you know, tier two, tier one outline mm -hmm. counties. Like you said, food and beverage, Nestle, Purina, Farmina, and yeah. the city of Rockingham. And, you know, the places pet, that are, you wouldn't, they haven't seen a lot of success. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and you got to take great solace in the fact about the Pratt and Whitney project. Even though it's not in Union County, you still have, what was that, a $600, $650 million yeah. project announcing in North Carolina. You have the great base here, that cluster, that burgeoning industry in, in aerospace. I think you're only going to see good things happening, yeah. uh, especially once we get on the other side of this yeah. pandemic. Again, like you said, because we have a ready-made workforce that's already here. That's right. To, in that infrastructure to help support training them. In your, yeah. in, your, in your tech schools and community colleges. Yeah, that's even right. down to our public schools. We have academies and other schools. things. So it's been, been really good. The... Um, is there any other sectors, is there any other sort of things coming out of this that uh, you're sort of hearing scuttlebutt that are going to see some benefits, you know, or are or, or stronger coming? Sure. I think, uh, you know, scuttlebutt is uh, from a financial industry-related standpoint, you're, you're hearing a lot of maybe, you know, even banks, financial-related companies based in New York City, in the Northeast, maybe in Chicago, also mm -hmm. in California that are looking at moving. And, and I think uh, North Carolina uh, is certainly gonna be a destination, and the Charlotte region yeah, in particular sure. is gonna be a destination for those type companies. You know, warehousing distribution is, is, uh, is still flourishing. We've worked with a, uh, with a large developer out of Kansas City that, uh, you know, is doing probably, uh, I mean, this is significant, $500 million deal in Gaston County. You know, they're gonna build mm -hmm. over, couple million square feet, three million square feet, I think, of, uh, wow. of uh, warehousing and, and distribution space on land that really has, has gone unnoticed mm -hmm. for the better part of, of 30, 40 years. Your good friend <clears throat> Donnie Hicks, I think his, 
you know, that's been his labor of love. Absolutely. And, and finally, he's got a large developer, uh, real estate developer, that's coming in doing a lot of this on spec, just yeah. like in, in uh, York County uh, with uh, Strategic Capital and numerous other developers that have, have built that type of product and originally maybe was, a, was done to attract large distribution uh, warehousing type companies, but at the end, have attracted some 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 light manufacturing. Yeah, a rival uh, for for one has gone into a Scannell building down in in York County where uh, you know they're going to build these uh, electronic buses. And oh, vans. that's true. That's right. From yeah. England or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, you you know, you have the product, you build it, you have that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's good to see developers still putting up spec product because uh, that will put them ahead of the game, yeah. helps you in, ahead of the game from a product standpoint, and these things aren't sitting empty very long. Right. We um, finally got a contract on our spec. Congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. So that hopefully will go forward. And uh, I don't remember we'll my phone forward. ringing, though. I know. <laughs> I got to do better with the friend helping friends. What time's Al Ganeer getting here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the... Yeah, looking at that, I think you, you bring up a good point. We're blessed in the Charlotte area with people yeah. like Donnie and David and, and some of the other folks around us that um, right. I hope I'm in that category. Of, you know, being I'd, a good, I'd say you're one of the wise men of the, of the, yeah. uh, one of the, of the Charlotte region. The, yeah. Old guy. The, <laughs> but, it, you know, it, you started out you know, in economic development at the Charlotte Regional That's Partnership right. when it was right. in its original form. And so, you know, how would you judge the region in comparison to like a Raleigh Durham to an Atlanta. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And uh and I joined the Charlotte Regional Partnership, I think it was back in, in September of nineteen ninety-eight. Wow. And, and even then I think the, the same old adage still holds true for this region today. You know, it's it's basically life in balance. Yeah. What a great product we have. You know, from, Gosh, from I haven't a, heard that in forever. Don't you remember the I life do. in balance? I, I, I think you could you could buy a, a, a <laughs> an umbrella for ten thousand dollars that said life in balance on it. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, from a reload from a from a location standpoint on the east coast, uh, the proximity to, you know, what is it, sixty percent of the yeah. of the American uh, population, uh, the quality of life, the business strength that we have, the public private partnerships between business, government academia in this region is, is really unparalleled. And I think, uh, you know, you've seen that pretty much hold to fruition over the last uh, 22, 23 years, mm -hmm. and, and probably a little bit before that as well. But uh, what a tremendous product we have to, oh, I know. to sell. So, you know, we've gotten the recognition uh, as a state, like you were just mentioning, business facilities and some of the others. Uh, do you see that continuing on? Uh, again, I know we've got a new secretary coming. There's some changes. We we've got a new administration in Washington. Uh, as we of when we're filming this, so we're, we're not live on Groundhog Day like I wish we were uh, traditionally, yeah. but uh, you know, this is a day after the inauguration, and so yeah. new administration, uh, some changes in North Carolina. So how do you see those changes maybe applying? Yeah, I think uh, it's a fair question. Uh, I'm an optimist at heart. And uh, I think... Uh, Is I that think, the Duke or the Chapel Hill side? That's more the Duke side. <laughs> Just my upbringing. Positivity. I think I always rank very high in terms of positivity right. on, the, on that, that, that talent uh, finder test that You're we right. all had the benefit of doing back in the day. But I think, uh, in all seriousness, I think North Carolina is primed for great things. Uh, the new secretary, he or she, should be named, I think, probably within the next week. Oh, good. I think Secretary Copeland's last day is is, is January 31st, um, and that individual is going to be rolling into a uh, a role and in, in following up on a year where the bar was set extremely high. But I think really only good things, mm -hmm. uh, better things are are, are are set to come. Uh, good this, momentum. Yeah, tremendous yeah. momentum. It's a destination. Millennials are moving here. Uh, we have so many good people in terms of professionals that, that uh, work in, in the economic development industry day in, day out. And, uh, you know, that combined with the product and with the life in balance, uh, right. we're in store for good things. Yeah, whether it's office-related projects, manufacturing, distribution, 
maybe even occasional uh, data center server farm or, or colo. Yeah. We'll see. So we've talked about you know where things are going. A lot of the, the targets that maybe we can go after um, that would have some success sort of in the next year or so. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of good communities. Is there some traits of communities that are screwing up, that are not doing as well? Uh, is there some things that you would say, don't do that, um, or look out for if you start to, uh, in some of the communities that you've gone to, is it, oh my gosh, what are they doing? I don't know if don't anything. Name anybody. I don't obviously. know if anything that egregious yeah. is, uh, you know, that I've observed. The communities are that are doing well. Uh, I mean, let's, let's, uh, you, you, your other old buddy up in uh, Catawba County, Scott Millar. You know, he's got a new park that uh, recently came out of the ground, mm -hmm. right on 321. You know, in between 85 and I 40, just slightly north of Lincoln County. Trivium Park, you know, and mm -hmm. that's a park which uh, I think they had the foresight to, to take down, get the infrastructure to years ago, and look what's happened over the last couple of years. I think a, a, a large German company is uh, farmer-related, mm -hmm. has gone in there, as have two big recent Japanese projects. Uh, Cattler, Fuji Seal is another one which just announced in uh, just prior to Christmas. But I think, you know, that park, just like... Uh, Lincoln County's industrial park mm -hmm. on 321 back in the you know late 90s, early 2000s, it it blew up. Yeah. So just like you said, Chris, you know those communities that are investing in the future, investing in in, in greenfield sites, making certain that that those sites are serviced by uh, you know water, sewer, road capacity, right. all the necessary infrastructure, it's coming. I mean, these mm -hmm. projects arrive. Right. Just like we said before, even even the developer spec projects, 200, 300, 400,000 square foot spec buildings are being scooped up in fairly short order. Um, it's, it's like you said, you know, like Gaston and some of these others, they put things in place years ago. That's right. And then it, to get those developers to come in, they had to have that already put in place, the infrastructure there, the water and sewer capability, uh, availability. It's just taking the risk out of the equation. Um, yeah. Because you know. if you don't, someone else will. That's right, and, and that's so, what that's what folks like me are looking to do. You know, yeah, scratch scratching me off the list. If no oh, man, I want to keep you on the list. But you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> it's always easier to give me a reason to take you off a list. That's right. Not that's add definitely. you to a list. That's right. So, well, as we uh, sort of wrap this up, uh, hey, any, it's been a pleasure. Any prognostication? Any pearls of wisdom exactly to drop? Exactly for twenty one. Uh, the Blue Devils might not make the field of sixty four this year. <laughs> oh, that might no. be. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, my, my pearl of wisdom for the day is uh, expect good things, you know, especially once we're on the other side of this pandemic. And I think that is going to happen in, uh, in fairly short order, uh, short order being another two, three, four months. You know, as the vaccine gets distributed and, and, uh, and, and we all advance in that regard. But I think uh, this is an area which uh, uh, has, has all the benefits and we'll continue to see uh, good project activity in the pipeline in a myriad of different industries. Well, that's great. So, well, yeah. Thank you so much again for being here. Uh, you know, your knowledge is better than your golf game. So I hey, really man, appreciate I appreciate that, too. <laughs> so. Certainly better looking than, uh, than my golf swing. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, and uh, uh, happy Groundhog Day. I appreciate you having me. All Thanks, right, Chris. Our next conversation is with Mr. Al Ganeri. Al is a partner with Parker Poe Adams Bernstein in Charlotte. Al has been in economic development, I think his whole career, focusing primarily in the international sector, but working with all companies, both domestic and international. His, his international experience has really helped our office, and he's been a friend of uh, Union County's economic development efforts uh, as long as I've been here. And so um, he has also been a, a good friend of this event. Yeah, he was in, really in the first several years was one of our first speakers as well as an MC later on in the event. So it's, it's nice to welcome him back to the stage with us. Al works with a number of industries, particularly again, those that are foreign owned. And he's also uh, integral in the international community in the Charlotte area. He's the, um, serves on the leadership team of the German American Chamber of Commerce, uh, the North Carolina chapter. And he's the director of the Charlotte chapter of the American Council on Germany. So it is, um, 
a wonderful gift to have him join us again this year and, uh, and reconstitute his uh, place as a guest speaker at this event. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, how are you doing, Al? I'm doing great, Chris. Nice to be here. Yes, it does. Thank you so much. Again, you're a long-term, long-standing guest and MC in the past um, for this event. So once again, we have you on the stage. It's a pleasure to have you back here in a capacity of getting to pick your brain a little bit and hear your thoughts of what's happened last year and what's going to go on uh, hopefully in 2021. And it's, it's, it's great. And uh, obviously a lot has happened and a lot is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The, uh, you know, last year was pretty interesting because, you know, we had uh, Mark Bittner here and we were asking at the time, you know, hey, is, there's a little health thing going over in China. Is it sort of a black swan event that might hurt the economy? You know, really not knowing. And God knows it has been <laughs> much bigger than what we could have all envisioned yeah. at that time. So. It is interesting to kind of come a year later and talk about sort of this past year, you know, with all that that has changed, you know, looking at 2020, what were some of the trends that you saw um, in your yeah. line? And, so, and again, because you're doing economic development, you're touching all these companies, you know, advising us and companies on, on things. So you get to see it firsthand. Yeah. And uh, saw a lot of, a lot of things last year. Uh, and I will, try to cover a little bit from sort of the domestic side, but particularly the foreign mm -hmm. investment side, which is the area that I focus on primarily. But 2020, uh, you know, started off with, with great uh, opportunity, <laughs> great excitement. Uh, Mark was probably pretty bullish on yes. things. Um, but in reality, the COVID virus changed everything. And, and we all know that. Uh, from an economic development standpoint, it shut down projects, uh, it impacted the pipeline dramatically. Yeah. And so what we saw both myself and, and my fellow lawyers, but also with Parker Poe Consulting, the, the consulting yeah. group, mm -hmm. um, existing projects that were, you know, part, you know, pretty far into the pipeline got put on hold. Mm -hmm. A few of those later this year, uh, did sort of come back on, on, um, but the pipeline generally really slowed dramatically. And I think that's true for the US. I think that's true for North Carolina. I think that's true for Union mm -hmm. County. Absolutely. Um, what I found interesting is though, if you look at North Carolina statistics, I mean, they had some huge successes this year. Right. And, and, and the Charlotte region had some really nice mm -hmm. successes. So it, it's kind of a strange, uh, contrast mm -hmm. almost uh, of, of two different worlds in that sense. But but that doesn't change the fact that it was a tough year and that the pipeline was severely yeah. drained. Um, yeah, it's just the reality. It really is. It's the best way to describe it from my perspective has been schizophrenic. Yeah. Because yeah. it was started out great, yeah. shut down. <laughs> and, you know, after May, we started to see some life, but it was skipping along the bottom of the of the pond kind yeah. of thing. It couldn't really get going. And then October, for us anyway, we exploded. And so we did almost our year's goal. In the fourth quarter. Basically. It was in the fourth quarter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and there was a, a, a beginning of a shift in mm -hmm. the fourth quarter. Um, now let me add, with respect to the foreign direct investment, the FDI, you almost had a, an, an extra uh, challenge and an extra you know, headwinds and whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, which is, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty due to everything from tariffs to just, you know, the international situation. The travel ban basically made it impossible for people to come and even think about looking at sites. Mm -hmm. and, and we had a number of clients in those situations who couldn't get their people in. Yeah. And so, you know, tough to pull the trigger on a on an economic development project when you right. can't actually come and touch and feel. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then of course you had the election that was percolating along and mm -hmm. both domestic and foreign, a lot of companies want to wait and see on, on how that shakes out. Yeah. So so the, the foreign investment was was particularly difficult, I thought. Yeah. Yet yet there were some good projects that did announce mm -hmm. um, later in the year. It is amazing, it, like you're saying, because we tried and I think the economic development community in general became very um, creative 
in the way that we were able to show sites yeah. and do other things. But even with that, they want, you said it exactly, they want to touch it, taste it, smell it, yep. see what's around it. Yeah. And you just can't do that virtually as best you want to try to do it. You just, that's, it's extremely difficult to, to get that feeling. And if you're investing millions of dollars, that's just. Yeah, but it, but it helps get them a certain uh, way into the, into the mm -hmm. process. Um, and, and so that can, that can still pay benefits, and we'll talk right. about that when we talk about 2021. Uh, I do think one thing that many of the economic developers did well, and, and they should have, and by necessity, at the, at the local level, focusing on their existing industry. I mean, yeah. companies were That's basically true. focused on surviving, right? And to the extent that the city, county economic developers can help those companies survive, figure out the PPP, you know, all of that, that's a huge benefit. Right. I mean, and, and that's what should have taken, I assume, should have taken quite a bit of attention, and rightly so. Yeah, and it so, did. I mean, yeah. in our numbers, it's majority. We had one company from California come in, but everything else is basically existing. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. so it, and I know you've kind of hit on this a little bit, but looking at the Charlotte area, you know, both, you get both states kind of in that situation yeah. with South Carolina. How has that, comparing those two, um, well, how would you sort of feel both states have done in, in this situation over the last year? Most states did well. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reality is North Carolina, South Carolina, you know, first off, most new projects are looking in both states to begin with. Right. There's no secret to that. Number two, they're both very competitive. Uh, in 2020, North Carolina had more success in landing you know, some of the bigger projects in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Which is a um, reversal, because I think South Carolina exactly, traditionally Exactly, yeah. but you, you can look back a couple other years and South Carolina's been ahead. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Site Selection Magazine, you know, selected North Carolina as yeah. the number one state for 2020, and that's uh, definitely an indication mm -hmm. that North Carolina had big success in landing the fish. Yeah. Um, and, but South Carolina's done well. Um, you know, you look at the electrical vehicle uh, group out of uh, Britain uh, mm -hmm. arrive and uh, you know they selected the micro facility for Rock Hill and the right. headquarters in Charlotte so both states had a had, had, right. a, had, a, had a selection there um, so they're, they're both very competitive and and there yeah. will continue to be good competition sure, sure. Yeah. the looking at the you know the foreign divest, investment coming in again Charlotte Douglas is still such a key Thing for us yep. as a tool to, to bring that in. Uh, is there any other things that have occurred, or uh, I know you're you're attached so well with the you know American uh, German American Chamber and right. um, yeah the uh, the airport is will continue to be and in many ways will always be the yeah. critical asset, particularly for foreign direct investment. Yes. I mean it's just critical, and and we've been super lucky to have a great airport with connections and everything else. Um, on the foreign direct investment side, you, you know, otherwise, um, and we can talk a little bit about that in the context of, you know, what geography areas mm -hmm. and so on. Um, Germany, which I do a lot with, um, you know, like most of Europe has been traditionally the, the yeah. low hanging fruit, mm -hmm. frequent, you know, a lot of projects and so on. And the reality is it will continue to be. Um, but they're, you know, they're struggling with the aftermath of COVID. Uh, Germany, for instance, has their federal elections later this year. Oh. So that, that throws a little dynamic mm -hmm. into that process. Um, so there, there's some struggles there. But the reality is it'll continue to be, Europe will continue to be an important yes. player for, for our activities. And um, in Germany and, and the, the Germanic mm -hmm. dock countries will, will continue to, to be important. China will continue to, yeah. they'll continue their ascent um, in activity and projects. Uh, you have a more political overtone to that. Yes. And we'll have to see how that plays out under the Biden administration. Um, I don't expect dramatic shifting mm -hmm. between the Trump policies and Biden policies with respect to China, but we have to wait and see. I mean, he's got to balance the economics with, you know, 
cooperation with sure. China on mm -hmm. certain aspects, whether it's Korea or whatever. So, so but but the China the 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 activity of China will continue, mm -hmm. um, subject to you know government limitations and right. regulations, and that's a little bit yet to be seen. So. Uh, and I guess going forward, uncertainty is going to be there as we look now into twenty one. There's some uncertainties, like you said, and I, I wasn't even aware I should have been the, with German election. election. Yeah. You've got Brexit now, I guess, official. Well, and I, yeah, I was going to mention, yeah, you, you got Brexit still. They're they're working their way through that. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, they reached that agreement at the end of the year and so on. But the implementation, you know, <laughs> right, there's, there's, there's some struggles. Um, and, and you just have some economic challenges, political challenges on the European side. Mm -hmm. The other thing to mention is is Mexico and Latin America. Um, there's actually been some increase in activity from Mexico and Latin America into the U.S. Um, I'm not sure if that's because Mexico's dealing with some issues there or not, but Mexico will continue to be a significant competitor for mm -hmm. projects um, under the, the new NAFTA. Um, they've got to, you know, deal with some wage and content requirements and so right. on. But if they make that transition effectively over the next, you know, five to 10 years, they're going to be very competitive for, for a lot of projects, particularly automotive. Yeah. So. I was going to say the USMCA has got a, I hope it's going to be a beneficial thing. You know, as NAFTA or any agreement ages. Right. And so as you know, things yeah. change over time that, you know, hopefully that sets us up now going forward. Right. with those two to keep North America strong. Yep, yep. But so, you know, looking again, COVID, what are some trends that you're seeing that you might see going into 21? What would, is there any sort of yeah, so, tea leave? Yeah, I mean, and again, it, it's a little bit of, of tea leaves, but I'll tell you how I see 2021 playing out. Uh, I think 2020, so I look at 2020 is the year of survival. <laughs> I look one. at 2021 as the year of, of growth and, and rebirth almost. Okay. Um, I think 2021 and then particularly feeding into 2022 have great opportunities oh, uh, for economic development. Uh, you know, first off, COVID, yeah, I mean, it's bad right now and it's going to stay bad for some time, but assuming that the vaccine mm -hmm. continues to come out as, as we think and so on, you know, there's going to be a, what I call a, a growth of, of confidence in safety. Yep. And, and we're going to see a trend of positive confidence that, that this is working. It's getting under control. Uh, McKinsey said in November that we'd hit herd immunity in the third or fourth quarter. You know, my guess would be more like fourth quarter mm -hmm. or end of the year, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be a growth of, of confidence in, right. in our safety. That alone will help the economy. It will give confidence to companies. Other factors, companies can't keep staying on the sidelines. Okay, right. So the projects that were put on hold, depending on where they are in the pipeline, those are going to get Mm -hmm. restarted and and we're already seeing indications of that okay so so that's going to happen um as we go further into the time period and you get closer to the second half of the year q3 q4 i think the pipeline will be filling up really well um companies are going to want to move pretty fast mm -hmm. Uh, it's all pent up. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and, and we're seeing, we're hearing that already. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now on the FDI side, I see almost an added boost to that. Okay. So first off, you look back, Fukushima is mm -hmm. almost exactly 10 years ago this That's March. Well, it is, it is 10 yeah. years ago from this March. Fukushima threw into crazy concern about supply chain, right? What did COVID do? Supply right. chain, right? Supply chain. And, and, and we had already been hearing about the, you know, on sourcing and all this mm -hmm. stuff, right? But I think the, these concepts and the need to deal with the supply chain is a trend that is going to continue. Doesn't mean it's all going to hit this year, but mm -hmm. there's going to be a need for shortening the supply chain, okay? Um, so that is one 
sizable factor along with it. And I do think if you look at the Biden uh, policies, um, policies on China in particular, you know, they're they're pretty much going to keep things like tariffs. I mean, they're going to take a pretty a pretty strong position on that. So mm -hmm. I don't expect a dramatic change in that. So that will impact potentially, you know, Chinese or other countries that are concerned about political risk right. to set up, you know, set up in the U.S. And particularly, I'm talking manufacturing wise. Um, the lack of PPE mm -hmm. during the COVID crisis brought home to roost the whole issue of made in America, right. U.S. content. And, you know, if Biden would actually implement an infrastructure program, Trump had talked about it, but you know, at some point that may happen, mm -hmm. they're going to have pretty significant buy American content requirements, which means companies need to be here and they need to be making stuff here. Yeah. So I, I see a number of factors pushing uh, the foreign companies to have to enter and in particular expand here. That's great. Yeah. The, given that, obviously there's some general side criteria or other criteria that the companies are, you know, generally have gone through in, right. in my career and your career. Has, do you see any changing in that coming up? There, there have been, uh, and I'm not sure any of the criteria is specifically a result of say COVID or 2020, but you know, if I look back 20 years ago versus today, you know, some of the criteria has changed. So if you look on, on the chart, you see different qualitative and quantitative uh, aspects, and, and they're not in any particular order or sequence, but things that in my mind have changed. One, companies generally want a building. 20 years ago, particularly the Europeans, they like to come buy the greenfield piece right. of property and build their building. Yep. Not today. Companies want to move fast. They want an existing building. And that's that's been changing, particularly over the last four or five years. And that's mm -hmm. that's what I've seen at mm -hmm. least. So so that's definitely something that's been changing and is here today. Um, and really, really quick with that, if you don't mind, the we do a, a spec building program right. here, and that program is we do that, we have a new contract on a building right now. The company is domestic. It's a company here in, in Union County. Uh, that has the contract, but they are foreign-born uh, mm -hmm. folks. The other three buildings we built are all North American headquarters for international companies. Right. So we build a beefier, heavier building than a traditional American market right. would support. Is that a recommendation kind of going forward? If they're looking to buy something in existence, do we, or are they morphing and kind of adopting the American style of construction versus their style? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure you'll ever fully get to the European <laughs> style, even you know when we try to do a bulked up building. Right. But uh, yeah, I I think it's a little bit of both. I yeah. mean, it, it depends a little bit on the company. But um, if you can, without you know changing the economic costs and so right. on dramatically, to the extent you can implement some things that the Europeans would like, that mm -hmm. will definitely be a distinguishing feature. On the other hand, you know, having quality buildings, even by American standards, is is the key thing. Right, I mean, right. you, you need to have inventory. Yeah, is 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 the fundamental point, um, and and I think that's that's important uh, for for one of those criteria. The other areas, one, um, the availability of labor, uh, that that really moved up about three four years ago. Mm -hmm. And you know the 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 ability to source right. quality labor um, that that wasn't as high on the radar screen ten years ago as it is currently for sure. Um, so those are two factors that I would say are are pretty important. If you don't have buildings, just to go back to that point, yeah. um, do you have sites that have had the full due diligence that you can literally you know? advance the ball by 90 days by mm -hmm. literally showing them that. I think that's important for for economic development organizations. Um, obviously, if it's a fully certified site, that's even better, but but at least show, right. be able to show them that you've done all the homework, it's a clean site, it's ready to go, is yeah. helpful. 
Yeah, just get those so. those low hurdles taken care of. Yep. Yep. So, yep. And when you look at like the you mentioned the workforce issue, you know, obviously COVID puts that into a different perspective too, that you want to make sure that your people are going to be reliable and they're not going to be home sick right. or contaminate right. half the, the facility. Um, the so there's that reliability of the workforce. Is that driving are you I guess, what are you seeing maybe an investment side? Is it being a little bit more automated, mechanical um, versus, so it's, I know we've saw some of that where people were, okay, how can we insulate ourselves from the people problem, both from the constriction of labor that existed, but then yeah. also now with something like a COVID or the next, whatever that may be, should we be more automated? Yeah, um, and a lot of my comments revolve around manufacturing yes. and distribution centers. So, you know, if you want to get into the whole office discussion, that's a whole different ballgame yeah. really to some degree. But the digitalization and automation trend, the industry 4.0, I mean, it's it was already going on. Yeah. And it's still going on and it's going to continue to go on. <laughs> um, but COVID accentuates it uh, to some degree, right? Yes. And and I think that's, you know, it, it does. It, it, it adds a little more impetus, but I think it was and is going to happen anyway. Right. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, yeah. for, for better or worse. Right. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, I think some things, have, you know, and I mentioned this again with John, was, you know, some of our habits as people probably accelerated five or 10 years than where yes. they were going. And yes. So I think everything is kind of yeah. quicker. Yeah. But, but, the, but it, it's definitely happening and, and it is going to have some ramifications for, for jobs and employment and mm -hmm. all of that. So looking at that specifically around the manufacturing and distribution, and that's you know where we live for the most part. Right. We're not necessarily office yet. Hopefully we'll get there at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but in the manufacturing side, is there certain sectors that you're seeing, um, particularly in 21 that, you know, we saw some you know, right. in 20 that survived. We're a big aerospace hub. They did not do as great. Right. Um, so I'm just curious what you're seeing out there. Yeah, uh, you know, 19, 2020 were pretty darn good for food yes. products, food processing, and so on. And uh, and I think you guys are pretty well positioned for that sector. Um, I think 2021 will be very good in that area as well. Um, biotech uh, mm -hmm. and pharma-related should be strong again. Um, yeah. 2020 was obviously strong for, for those sectors. Um, distribution will continue to be mm -hmm. solid in a, you know, not in an industry specific sense, but just generally speaking, should should still be pretty good. Unfortunately, I think aerospace will be down again mm -hmm. in 2020 um, or 2021. Uh, and that's just unfortunate. Um, there are some technology twists to whether it's aerospace or other industry sectors that that may have some play mm -hmm. um, if the Biden administration depending on how aggressively they go on the on the green energy side you could see some green tech opportunities mm -hmm. especially with European companies coming in with their technologies mm -hmm. um, but I, I I'd focus on the food side and and to some degree, the, the pharma biotech, if, if possible. Automotive, you know, not, I'm not sure it's going to be a huge year for automotive is yeah. my guess. I mean, but, but th that transition is the whole electric vehicle thing, right? Right. And, and that's not driven so much by COVID is just, it's happening. Right. And, but that's not a, that's not a 2021. That's a, that's yeah. a, you know, 10, 10 more year transition right. of supply lines, suppliers, all right. that. So that that will rare be earths, everything can yep. go into that. Yeah, yeah, and and that'll be interesting to to both see and and participate in because um, it's it's a big sector. Yeah, it's amazing to see that now. Even the solar, where before it was, you know, kind of cute. You know, it was more of a feel good thing. Yep. But now the technology is catching up to where it's it's actually pretty feasible in a lot of areas. Particularly the bat, you know, the cars are phenomenal yep. to drive the instant torque. Yeah, it's wonderful to have that. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not a auto specialist in in any sense, but yeah, I mean it's it, it, there's no denying that it's it's where it's headed, right? Yeah, I mean, it really absolutely. Is. And 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 you know for the 
for the tier one and tier two suppliers, there's a lot of change going on there. Yeah. And, and that's just, that's going to continue. So to the extent that nothing special for 2021 on that front, but to the extent you can tap into that, you can, you, you, you know, that's going to mm -hmm. keep going. So looking at Europe, you know, again, we have been very blessed with who we've been able to pull across um, in South America, you know, Japan. Um, so we have a, a, a good diverse mix of, of our industries, but it's still going to be primarily Europe, as you talked about, Western Europe. So looking at that, you would again focus primarily in the Germanic area, or is there any, what, what countries, is Italy, how are they doing? I know they were really hurt by COVID. Um, yeah. Just thoughts there. Yeah, it, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say just the Germanic countries. Okay. Um, Italy, you know, has its challenges, but actually has been pretty active over the last, you know, couple mm -hmm. years, and, and I think will continue to be fairly active. I don't know if that's exactly why, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, this is a market that is still big and attractive, and they, yeah. may, they may see this is the, the new place to, right. the place to grow in. Um, so I think Italy is definitely worth looking at. Um, you know, again, if, if you were focusing on biotech and, and pharma and, and life science sectors, then you, you've got to include different markets like Scandinavia, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. so I, I, I view it as you blend geography with industry okay. and determine your targets from that, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, and, you know, if, if I was talking to Union County and saying, you know, what, what should you do to land, right. land some fish this year? You know, one, have, have inventory if, mm -hmm. you, if you can. Now that's hard to do in one year, but, <laughs> right. but, but inventory is important. Be super responsive. Companies, the, especially the ones that are already kind of in the pipeline, they're going to want to move fast. And, right. and, the, and the economic developers that respond quickly and effectively, it will help. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, and we're see, we're hearing that, we're seeing that. Um, so that's very important. Mm -hmm. um, look at the industry sectors. Do a data dig. And select your targets. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what I'm saying there, and I haven't hit it just yet, but with the U.S. content and the supply chain and so on, and if you're looking at particularly Europe, companies that are not yet making product here or, or sourcing their product mm -hmm. and so on, but they're already here and they've been here a number of years in my mind, are perfect targets for the expansion to the next level. Gotcha. And, and they, they, I mean, so many of the European com companies are in that situation. Mm -hmm. They've traditionally loved the distribution model, but now they're going to shift, they're going to need to shift to a manufacturing model. Yeah. And I would look at that uh, from a targeting standpoint. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I appreciate so much your time. We've known each other a long time. Uh, shared a few beverages over the pond, and you know, yes, uh, yeah. it, it had a and, lot. And of, hopefully, hopefully, people will be able to go back over the yes, pond. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sometime soon. Yeah, I know that's the um, that's one of the benefits of this job. You know, there's a lot of headaches and hard things, but is the the travel to those locations and meeting new people, that social interaction. At least for us as social beings, I'm sure you too. You know, we're all kind of extroverted in that way, and. It, yeah, uh, I mean the, vir it's, the virtual, it's, it's, the virtual, the virtual works somewhat, but right. uh, it's not an al a full alternative mm -hmm. to to travel. Um, yeah, I'm literally booking a flight tomorrow for the third quarter. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and the expectation that in I'll be able to go. That, yeah. Right. Yeah, for us, because, the Paris Air Show was canceled. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think you have to plan with some contingency thoughts, but you need to plan for, you know, mid Q3 and certainly Q4 for what's, you know, what's yeah. going to be opening up, hopefully. That's great. Again, 
I That's cannot, great. I cannot appreciate, appreciate it. how much, you know, take your time to come down here and, and do this with us. I know it's not the traditional Groundhog Day, but uh, <laughs> uh, we don't get that audience feedback. But uh, again, I appreciate so much. Your your knowledge is incredible. And so we do appreciate it so much. Ha happy to do it. And I hope, I hope 2021 is a great year for you. Absolutely. County. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed the show this year. Again, it's a little bit different, and we look forward to having everyone back in person for the 2022 version, the 12th annual Groundhog Day Economic Summit. But as we go forward into 21, I hope everyone uh, keeps their chin up, that we can uh, have a positive attitude as we go, th go through this together, and then hopefully we will come out again more prosperous and more ready to handle uh, adversity of any kind. With that, I wanna thank you again for uh, joining us and we'll see you next year.